0: Sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time.
1: Hello, and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show. My name is Adam Bayfield, and I'll be your host for this one. And this other bloke here is Tony Kerr. Hey. Tony, we seem to be on the beach again. Definitely, yeah. A lot of beach. And not just any beach. We're on Petty Port, uh, another of Guernsey's kind of premier beaches. In fact, my favourite Guernsey beach. In fact, in my very biased opinion, one of the best beaches in the world.
2: Big, big opinions, yeah. It's a top-flight beach for sure. Um, premier League. Premier League. Champions League beach. ICC Division One. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, it's only fitting, really, isn't it, when we're discussing... Yeah, you know, a test series involving the West Indies. That you know, given the you know the amazing beaches on offer over there. That you know, we kind of try and bring you a flavour of some of the best beaches that we think in the British Isles. I mean, so just to I guess paint the picture, uh, Petty Poor is on Guernsey's south coast at the the bottom of some pretty uh, big cliffs, and we're sat kind of nestled in by the rocks at the bottom. Uh, but what makes it so special is that the yeah the the beaches here on the south coast are generally quite rocky, but or around this area, quite rocky, but yeah, there's just a massive expanse of sand at low tide, which we're going to go and explore in a minute.
1: Yeah, it's kind of vast swathe of golden sand, and it's just, it's just glorious. But as you say, we're at the foot of the cliff. I think there's, I think we counted them once. There's 375 steps to get down and crucially back up. And uh, when you're when you're carrying a laptop and podcast equipment back up, it might be even. Uh, even tougher than normal but yeah the other day i said to you because you know we've we've decided we're just going to start podcasting on the beach because you know why not and the other day i said to you well i guess you know the dream the dream is to do a podcast on petty poor one day and you're like (laughs) well why don't we just do that and i was like oh yeah we could just do that the achievable dream (laughs) (laughs) and in fact it's in in a lot of ways it's a perfect beach for podcasting because it's usually because of those steps it's usually pretty quiet you know the steps kind of keep the the riff raff away if that's uh if that's not too uh yeah, condescending a term to use. But uh but actually because it's such a nice day and the summer holidays, there are quite a few people around and I don't think anyone's noticed that we've whipped the microphones out yet, but um but yes, it might uh
2: we, said we might get a few hecklers. We yeah. might get a
1: few hecklers, but I was going to say, what a treat for them. You come down to Petit Port, you're expecting just a day at the beach, and you end up with a live world cricket
2: show. <laughs> well, you think you come down, here on a day like this, you think, could it get any better? <laughs> yes, is the answer. Uh, in fact, actually, we enjoyed a, a wonderful cricket moment here quite a few years ago, didn't we? Watching the end of the test, I've now forgotten which series it was. Uh, it was the 2013 Ashes. That when, it was. It
1: was a Trent Bridge test when Jimmy Anderson was taking those wickets to win the game.
2: Yeah, we stood in the sea, watched the end of it on my phone, so sort of waist deep in the, uh, in the water. Uh, yeah, it was quite amazing. It tells you... So, like, so good I'd forgotten which series it was. Well, it
1: tells you that that was quite a long time ago because I remember at the time being like, watching cricket on a phone. This is incredible. We're living in the future. So yeah, we've got some happy cricket memories from here already. Played cricket down here quite quite a bit, haven't we? A uh, bit of beach cricket and uh, making some more great memories <laughs> uh, today. You, you're, you're ready to go. You've had your chicken wrap it's becoming a bit of a tradition yeah so. I was
2: like, almost exactly the same meal as last pre-pod <laughs> meal just presented in a slightly different way goujons instead of southern fried wrap instead of baguette sweet chili instead of mayo
1: and there's no kiosk here there's no you know there's no amenities so you had to pop somewhere on your way here which made you about 20 minutes late and uh, <laughs> you're quite out of breath when you got here because you sprinted down the steps to try and uh, placate me a bit i think but i, I that potentially involved you pushing some children <laughs> out of the way. They, they looked a bit miffed when they turned up a few minutes later.
2: Yeah, it's quite, quite narrow steps as you come down. And yeah, it's a sort of it's like a sort of 10-pin bowling ball as I kind of just careered down them, bundling people out of the way as I went. <laughs> well, you made it, though. And we're sat on this, this enormous rock
1: overlooking the bay, uh, just watching a few uh, boats pottering about out there and um we have got a lot of cricket to talk about i should say as well for new listeners we obviously have mentioned this in the last couple of pods but if you are joining us for the first time and you're wondering like what we're doing um recording a podcast together what people are doing being on the beach and stuff like it is it is worth just uh underlining the fact that the you know the 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 pandemic has effectively been brought under control in guernsey the virus has uh to all intents and purposes been eliminated eliminated here so we're, we're in a very very fortunate position compared to the rest of the world what are we are we approaching 80 days without a new case so we're incredibly lucky here we're life is back to normal with no social distancing or anything like that at least for the time being you know there's a big question about when we're going to open the borders and what will happen then but we're kind of uh getting on with things uh while we can uh, and that does mean that we can podcast together tone and again what a treat for what a treat for the world <laughs> not just the people on the beach here big cricket discussion to have today because test cricket is well and truly back uh, and we've got another excellent test match to talk about from England's home series with the West Indies but actually just one quick note before we get going as we discussed uh and as we assumed on last week's show the T20 World Cup has indeed been postponed did you see this thing? yeah so it was due to take place in Australia uh, in October, but they have postponed it for a year. It looks likely that the IPL will fill the void and take place in its stead, probably in the UAE, because uh, obviously, uh, unfortunately, the pandemic seems to be worsening in India. So, yeah, probably not a surprising decision, I guess, but but one that you know hasn't been um, crystallised until now. I suppose, yeah, the the fact that the tests have been played in the last couple of weeks and have gone really well does kind of show that biosecure cr- cricket is possible, but I guess it's um, it's much harder at a global tournament with teams coming from all over the world and presumably much a lot more players involved, a lot more backroom staff and people involved. It's just a much harder much harder thing to pull off i suppose than just a bilateral series
2: yeah quite i mean I, yeah it's not a surprising decision is it um i don't know too much about the situation on the ground in australia but i know there's been some kind of ramping up of lockdown locally hasn't there in melbourne you know in, in recent weeks and, and potentially other places as well so it obviously you know it's a situation that's kind of changing all the time i guess and for a tournament or an event that that on that scale It's probably a later decision maybe than many would have expected in a way but um, I guess it has to be made at some point. Uh, I wasn't exactly clear from the the news whether it meant because obviously there's supposed to be a T20 World Cup next year as well anyway whether the Australian T20 World Cup is being postponed to next year and therefore the one in India will be pushed back as well or whether the Indian one will just be played as usual and then Australia will host in a couple years. It wasn't quite clear no, I th- from their I, I
1: think it's. I think it's the former. I think. Yeah. That, I think they've postponed both by a year, so it'll be in Australia next sense. year, and then in India the following year. I mean, it, it's. It was already a, a bizarre situation, you know, that there was such a long gap between T Twenty World Cups and then two come along at once. But it's it's kind of made even more bizarre now that yeah, it'll be five and a half years between t20 world cups and then one year between <laughs> t20 world cups which is a yeah slightly slightly strange situation but obviously it some of that is uh it w- was out of their hands and it, it is what it is so um yeah just just to kind of uh uh to to flag that at the start but let's uh let's get going let's dive into the test cricket that's been going on this week as i said i've got my laptop with me i've got the scorecard open here got all my bits and bobs all my tabs although i've, I've <laughs> just seen that uh I've got a tab open that's a YouTube video called uh, Phil Dunphy's Funniest Moments. <laughs> so <that's laughs> there you <laughs> go, just <laughs> on,
2: on, yeah, on point. Gives you some
1: indication of what I've been doing this morning. But yes, let me bring the scorecard up here. So, after the thrilling return of Test cricket in Southampton last week, the series between England and the West Indies continued in Manchester. And the excitement continued too. It was another excellent Test match. This time, England won it to level things up. West Indies won the toss this time and elected to field first. So England was sent into bat Um, they had a difficult start. They were at one stage 29 for two and then 81 for three. But then a pretty remarkable partnership between Dom Sibley and Ben Stokes. They put on 260 runs together. They both faced more than 350 balls was very patient progress. Sibley finished with 120 from 372 balls. Stokes finished with 176 from 356 balls. They finally declared on 469 for nine. West Indies in response were going along pretty nicely and it did seem like the game was headed for a draw especially because the entire third day was lost to rain but then a, a burst from Stuart Broad and Chris Wokes on the fourth afternoon uh, saw West Indies collapse to be 287 all out. England then um, put their foot on the gas in their third innings to try, and, uh, to try and set a target. They declared on 129 for three with another half century for Stokes. That set West Indies, a target of 312. That was always going to be out of reach, uh, but they just needed to try and survive the remainder of the fifth day. Uh, but they couldn't. A couple of half centuries for Bricks and Blackwood, but wickets for Broad, Wokes and Stokes and Bess, wickets shared around, Uh, meant that they were eventually all out for 198 uh, and that gave England uh, a big victory by 113 runs. So this is another very enjoyable test match, as I say, probably fair to say that it was a a slow burn to begin with. Uh, And as I say, a a whole day was lost to rain, but it was certainly an exciting finale. Um, You watched most of the final day live, I think I'm right in saying.
2: Yeah, yeah, real treat, although I did have what i think was some some mild food poisoning which kind of uh yeah i to take a day off work and watch most of the cricket i really came along at the right time yeah, to you, didn't it? yeah uh no it was a lucky boy it's been an absolute triumph i think and um yeah so much to enjoy in this uh yeah a, a, a great response from england we pride ourselves on not being too reactionary don't we on this pod <laughs> <laughs> even though we do we do, yeah, we have been prone to the old flip-flop. We pride right? ourselves
1: incorrectly on not being too reactionary. No,
2: <laughs> we're just—we're not very reactionary. That's and that's a fact. So, um, but you know, I thought England would have enough to come back in the series and, and still go on to win it. And you know, I've been proved right at this point. <laughs> Although there's a long way to go yet. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, it was some really impressive stuff. Obviously, Ben Stokes—you uh, know—another headline performance um, from him. Uh, and uh, yeah, pretty exciting final day all round. The way things developed.
1: Yeah, well, you, you mentioned us about about us kind of flip flopping a bit. So uh, this is this is my question to you. Reece. So on the, on the last podcast, we uh, I think I started by asking you whether we might have underestimated West Indies on the preview. But my question to you this time is: Did we overestimate West Indies? You know, where where do you where do you sit on West Indies now? Because this was after that brilliant performance in the first test there was a real turnaround in this one, and it just, you know, felt felt like the balance of power had shifted a bit. Or is that is that flip flopping too too fast?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think we've got it pretty much right so far. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think anyone who we are brilliant, we, aren't we? Yeah, we are just spot on. But when you look at West Indies' record overall in the last few years, you know, obviously as we said, they have. You probably said. You know, they have done well against England in particular which probably you know influences any judgment slightly you know on our part and certainly within kind of British English circles um, but yeah you know, I think that the you know the issues kind of that persist you know we're, we're at the fore in this in this match you know they probably just don't have quite enough in the batting department at the moment to be you know properly dangerous team they will cause but uh, you know they, they will win matches, um, and you know as we said, the the bowling attack looks absolutely fit for purpose and you know, to be a, a top line attack. Um, but yeah, but not quite enough runs. But on the flip side, you know, England perhaps would have won much more comfortably had that day not been washed out entirely uh, than they did. You know, picking up the the, the wicket they needed what with it, with so sort of 15 overs to go or whatever on the final day. But were it not for some, shall we say? certainly in the context of the last five years some kind of uncharacteristically dogged England batting then, then England wouldn't have been in that situation so uh, I think you know a bit of credit you know has to go to, to England rather than saying well West Indies aren't quite as good as we thought.
1: Yeah I think you're right I was kind of, I was kind of teeing, teeing you up for a bit of devil's advocate there but I you know I I don't think anyone should be writing West Indies off or consider, considering that first test to be a fluke. I mean I actually thought they you know I definitely don't they weren't bad by any means I actually thought they they Bowled pretty well in England's first innings. One of the reasons that partnership was such slow going at times was because West Indies were bowling very tight, weren't they? You know, Kemar Roach. What did he go? Something like, uh, I've got it written down here. He bowled five hundred and twenty-one balls without taking a wicket in Test cricket, but he was bowling really well in that time. Was bowling superbly, and that they, you know, Stokes and Sibley had to defend because because the bowling was very good, but ultimately they just couldn't find a way to to break that partnership and England kind of got away from them from there. And as you say, for all their in, undeniable, I think, improvement in Test cricket, there is still a fragility about the West Endings batting, especially without Bravo and Meyer who obviously haven't travelled to England for this tour. And yeah, they, they collapsed on the fourth afternoon and, and that cost them in the end. You, you, you feel that 450, 400 450, which is obviously what England got, is probably just too many for the Westernies at the moment like they need their bowlers to restrict the opposition to 300 350 tops and then they're right in the game their batsman can cope with that but 400 is just kind of too many and while you know and that is it can be successful but there's quite a narrow margin for error there isn't there? you know that there's really placing a lot of pressure on that bowling attack which good as it is it can't deliver every single time Arguably, they made the wrong decision at the toss as well. Like they, they, obviously put England in. It turned out to be a pretty good wicket. They, they did that, I think, because of the overhead conditions. But it turned out to be a pretty good wicket. It was, it was a difficult one to call. I think Joe Root said he was quite pleased he lost the toss. But one slightly strange thing about this series is that in both tests, there's been a clear beneficiary at the toss. But both times, it's been the team losing the toss who have who have had that benefit, which is you know which is unusual.
2: Yeah, And I think as well, you know, we'll come on to Ben Stokes in a minute, but you can't really have it, you can't on one hand say, as people are saying, you know, we're in the presence of greatness here, uh, you know, talking about Ben Stokes and, and, a, and a performance where he kind of powerhouse performance with the bat in terms of sort of every style possible uh, and influence it with the ball and in the field. Um, and, and, you know, you look at what pe- a player that we're talking about, potentially we will talk about as one of the all-time greats well putting yourself in the frame for that and then say oh yeah you know, west indies are crap as well because to be great you have to well, you have to show that kind of greatness you know you need a, a decent opposition to be kind of marked against to measure against so um yeah
1: no that's absolutely right i guess it's just that for the you know slightly more casual fan or you know someone just kind of dipping into this test they might just think oh west indies collapsed again you know that's just the way it's been for 10 15 20 years um I do still think this team is a, is a lot better than that but just just there does remain that fra- fragility in the batting I think they looked a bit tired as well like that, that's probably another um, issue for them is just perhaps they still don't have the depth the the depth of a kind of top tier test team like these games are coming thick and fast they tend to come thick and fast anyway in modern test tours but especially this series because they're trying to you know obviously keep it as brief as possible so that Westernies don't have to spend too long in the country Um, There's not much time off between these games. And West Indies played the same bowling attack here, perhaps because they just don't feel that the same quality exists outside of that first choice attack. Um, But, you know, you you looked at Shannon Gabriel. I mean, he was absolutely done in at the end of this game. Really, the best thing would have been probably to have rested him from from this one and, and saved him for the third test. But they perhaps just didn't feel that that was a good option. So, but speaking of changes, I mean, they might have to look at the batting as well as we say there's still a weakness in the batting so perhaps less in terms of tiredness as, as when we're looking at the bowling attack but just to try and bolster things up a bit is, is it time up is it the end of the road for shea hope do you think
2: uh, it's, it's not t- had a good
1: series so far yeah
2: it's tough i mean when you look at that batting lineup and, it, and it's something england have been short of probably in the last few years uh, you know I can mention Ben Stokes again until Ben Stokes is you know now developing into that kind of uh you know like talismanic batter as much as anything is that I think yeah Weston is all of the the batsmen are kind of one you know they're they're waiting for someone to put their hand up and kind of mark themselves out as a as a regular yeah uh, you know as a reliable source of of big runs and yeah obviously Shea hasn't had the best best of it as he but uh, yeah, I, I don't know what the answer is in terms of who they bring in. No, they, as you say, they've
1: probably got a few too many who are a little bit hit and miss. Like what well, they can be absolutely sensationally good, you know, so They've got so much talent and we've seen them do it, but they're, they're just lacking a little bit of consistency. Potentially Darren Bravo is that man, although he had had a poor run of it before he came back into the side last year. You, you can't sort of rely really on anyone in the batting lineup, including, including Craig Brathwaite, who you would say should be that guy. But Shea Hopi, I just wonder, you know, have we have we all been duped a bit by those Headingley hundreds? Again, you mentioned that West Indies have done really well against England in recent years and those hundreds obviously came against England and has that kind of pulled the wool over our eyes a bit to the fact that aside from that, he's not really done a lot in test cricket. I suppose it's not just that, there's the his 50 over form as well. I think he's averaging 52 in ODIs, like he is one of the top ODI batsmen in the world, but his record in test cricket like his overall record is not great and then since those Headingley hundreds which were three years ago now let's not forget since then it's it's borderline disastrous he's averaging 24 with two 50s and no hundreds in 34 innings since then uh, and since the start of 2019 he's averaging less than Keemar Roach in test cricket so you know he's such a talent isn't he he's a really great batsman to watch but it's just not happening at the moment well anyway turning to England then you know obviously they'll be very pleased with the performance it was an excellent response after uh, a relatively underwhelming performance in that first test well I don't know you I don't know what you think like you're obviously saying people talking about but we'll talk about Ben Stokes but do, is there any sense that people are getting carried away a little bit with this I mean I, I it, it was a very good performance but I wonder if it's sort of it feels like a even better performance than it was because because Stokes and Sibley batted so long it felt that it felt like that first innings total was absolutely monstrously big because they batted forever but actually you know 460 is that actually just par in Test cricket I, I don't know they, they haven't done it very much in England over the last few years so yeah it's kind it of feels unusual impressive. But yeah um should you be that blown away by 460 in the first innings?
2: True. I mean, yeah, that, that's obviously been a massive issue for England in recent years. like In South Africa, they've they've posted a couple of decent first innings totals, didn't they? Um, it, it seems like they're turning a corner slightly in terms of that temperament mentality issue that, that perhaps they had uh, previously now with Silverwood, you know, at the helm. Um, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it, it was a proper test win, wasn't it, for them? And, a, 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 you know, Sibley's innings and Stokes, obviously, yeah, proper... Test Knox to set up that victory. So, yeah, anyone complaining at that, I think is is mm. is yeah is just uh, is wider than silly. The mark. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's like you know, it's a silly person. If your aim is to win the game, then then England went about it in the best possible way, and that, that's how they should approach most test matches they play. As for Stokes, I don't, I don't know. I don't think people. I don't know. I mean the the regularity with which he's now producing. Bits of magic, you know, huge performances influencing every aspect of the game. I, it is tough to not get a bit carried away. I think, you know, you look at that performance. Obviously, a you know, lot to be made of the fact that it was, you know, his his longest time at the crease in the in the uh, first innings, his slowest hundred, uh, and then yeah, you know, England's fastest opening, uh, fastest fifty by an opener in the second innings. Um, yeah, you know, two completely different modes and, and executed brilliantly you yeah, obviously took the yeah you know, broke the the key partnership on the last day demonstrated his commitment and kind of heroism on the pitch with that bit of fielding off his own bowling which kind of caught the eye uh like running to the boundary to chase a lost cause effectively i mean yeah it, you really can't say enough good things about him
1: yeah i agree with all that and i don't i don't want to sound like i'm uh being you know nicky negative over here but but do you not fit is that not verging into the kind of Virat Kohli territory of just like literally anything he does? He takes a simple catch and people are like it's that man Ben Stokes again, or like chasing that down off his own bowling. I mean that you don't see I that very agree, much. That was but you good. You don't but, see that,
2: yeah. But yes,
1: is there not a little bit of like Ben Stokes? You know, he he like there, people are raving about his haircut. <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> it's just like, no, I do agree. Yeah,
2: I, mean, I, I get that, and I, I I find that kind of hero worship. Really off-putting and yeah. slightly annoying, but but that, that said, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't go. but You know, I wouldn't. I'm not going to stand or what they call it on the internet, Ben Stokes, and kind of you know. <laughs> but yeah, he is. He's doing some incredible things at the moment.
1: Who are you shipping Ben Stokes with? At yeah. the moment? <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> More internet jargon. Um, are you
2: shipping yourself with Ben Stokes? But, uh, but uh, I mean, uh, you've got to be pretty appreciative lol cat As a cricket that's fan <laughs> that's internet speak <laughs> <laughs> yeah pretty on the pulse um you know just for the moments he's giving us but uh, it is quite amazing when you see that first innings patience he put in particularly when you know there was one particular shot that he played which is pretty jaw-dropping that kind of i know what on, you're gonna say on drive for six yeah for a batsman when you can play those shots to then have the discipline not to do that <laughs> is quite impressive i think um do you know what i mean if you know that's in your locker why wouldn't you just be like, well, you know, let's take it on? So actually, to to adjust his game uh, and do that is, is absolutely incredible. And then, yes, yeah, some of the shots he, he played on the the final morning, you know, it's, it's just classic Ben Stokes at the moment, but uh, were really impressive. And, he, and you look, what is he? He's now the number one all rounder in the world. Perhaps we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, the third best batsman in the rankings as well. England's best batsman, Yeah, a, a game changer with the ball and and probably with the best fielder. I don't know. It, 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 yeah. It, it, yeah. Am I getting carried away? No,
1: I, I don't think you are. As I say, I, I, I don't want anyone to think that I'm I'm trying to be a killjoy here because, you know, the thing of like the Virat Kohli comparison or the hero worship, like I do get frustrated with that. It, it, as you say, I do find it a bit off-putting. But on the other hand, like as someone who loves cricket and wants cricket to flourish, is it not better that we have those superstars that kids are going to grow up idolizing and stuff is going to draw people into the game? So yeah, like England having someone like that Surely that's a good thing for cricket lovers, and 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 yeah, it's it, it's very difficult to say anything bad about him at the moment. I mean, I would still maintain that it is only really in the last year that he's reached that level. Like I, I you know, you you know, always thought he was a good good player, but I, it used to frustrate me that he was talked about in a way that he perhaps didn't merit before. But certainly since the World Cup last year it's very difficult to argue that he's overrated anymore. He, he really has kind of taken off in the last year and his form with both bat and ball has been genuinely extraordinary, particularly with the bat four centuries in Test cricket an average of 60 um, was you know was terrific with the ball in South Africa as well. And yeah I, I do think well what do you think? is he the most valuable cricketer in the world at the moment? Is there anyone that you would swap him for? in the England team.
2: In the England team? Yeah, as oh, in, like, in, if you could pick swap a, them out of the England team. Yeah, if
1: you, could, if you could somehow, like, draft in another cricketer from any other country, yeah. give them an English passport, but you had to... The only way you could do that was to swap Ben Stokes. Is there any one I mean, you'd prob- go for? Prob- yeah, you?
2: I don't think so. Um, possibly. I wouldn't, but you could make a case maybe for Steve Smith, because if you've got mm. Steve Smith in your team, you're probably not going to lose. You'd probably rather watch Ben Stokes. Yeah, like... But if you want... I, I think, You're pretty much yeah. unbeatable with Steve with the team because, uh, uh, yeah, on current you know on on recent form because, you know, how does a team against you get him out and and therefore win the game? If you want to win matches, then you probably want you you, you probably wouldn't swap for anyone at the moment other than men's stakes. And the he, way he plays, the way I mean, the shots he plays are some of the shots he plays are, are, are ridiculous.
1: Yeah, and as you say, you used the word talisman before. He he has become such a talismanic. Figure in terms of like his presence just lifts the team, doesn't it? And they, it, same thing used to be true of Andrew Flintoff. You just everybody feels more confident when he's in the team. He g's the players up. He, you know, he's just a kind of ins, inspirational, inspiring figure. I, yeah, Steve Smith was the only one I thought of that I'd possibly put above him in terms of who the most valuable cricketer in the world is right now, at least in Test cricket. Um, but yeah, they're probably the two, aren't they? Like if you were picking a world eleven they're probably the two that you'd say are most irreplaceable. Even Coley, you know, someone like that. I don't know whoever you, you know, whoever there's your spoil for choice in the bowling attack, but anyone else that you pick there, you'd think, well, yeah, if you had to drop Coley, then Williamson or someone could come in, you know, it wouldn't change that much, but losing Smith or Stokes from that would be, would be a big blow. And so, and and that's pretty, you know, it's pretty remarkable thing that Stokes is mentioned in the same breath as As Steve Smith, who is truly one of the great cricketers, one of the great batsmen of all time, you'd have to say.
2: Yeah, and and you know, what Steve? I'm not an Australian, obviously, and so I don't know what you know Steve's Steve Smith's innings and achievements means as much to Australians. But I mean, it's it's tough to it's tough to imagine that anything could be better, really, or or much better than than Headingley and uh, the World Cup final. Um, So. For, for those kind of things that are within his, yeah,
1: kind those of those moments
2: in, in his powers, uh, yeah, to produce that is, yeah, but then I suppose that's what,
1: what I've always that's what I previously felt about Stokes was that he was a cricketer of moments that he had those, just those extraordinary moments, you know, his double hundred in South Africa, you know, that he'd, he'd have those unbelievable performances with bat and ball, but that he didn't necessarily do it on a consistent basis, and that if you looked at his overall record, it wasn't that impressive, but that those moments kind of led everyone to think that he was a better overall player than he was but in the last year he's actually yeah yeah and you know I mentioned he's kind of that that talisman and he's just such an all-round player as well and one of the most impressive things about that partnership with Sibley was the running between the wickets and that's something that that tends to go under the radar a bit in cricket not least because well, a it's not as eye-catching as, as boundary hitting, but it's also sometimes it's literally impossible to see it when you're watching the TV because they tend to the camera tends to follow the ball as it goes out to the boundary or you know as it goes out to the the fielder, the outfield. But it it, it was definitely a feature of that partnership that they were really running very well and turning ones into twos and all of that. And it's it's ba- it's basic stuff, but it's such an important part of the game. And, and yeah, he he just he does do all the basics well, as well as doing all the extraordinary stuff well.
2: Yeah, I mean, what he's England's best batsman. He's England's go-to uh, bowler in tight situations. He's the best fielder in the team. He's by all accounts the fittest member of the team. Um, yeah, he's all right. <laughs> um, well, just just on
1: uh, just talking about that partnership, just on Dom Sibley. Um, I mean, it was a remarkable partnership. I think they batted 568 balls. Uh, now, in terms of balls faced, that is England's second longest partnership of the 21st century and the longest for 10 years. Can you work out which one was longer? I know what your memory is like, Tane. 10 years ago, there was a longer one.
2: Uh, Any guesses?
1: It's a famous partnership. Kirk. nope. No. Peterson. No. Who batted forever for England 10 years ago? Trot. Yeah. And?
2: Bell. No. Someone you would not expect. Trot. Uh, can you cut all these guesses? <laughs> <laughs> Trot. Well, I'll cut about
1: 300 of them and I'll just leave in a few. Prior. No. Trot. Someone you would really not expect it to be. Okay, another clue. It's someone who's still in the England team now. Trot and Broad, yeah, correct. Yeah, first time. <laughs> They're remarkable. First guess. I can't believe it. Um Yeah, against Pakistan at Lords in 2010, uh, when when Broad got that 169 or whatever it was. Um So yeah, so it's the longest, and that's obviously a famous partnership. So famous, so, that, famous. so famous that you remembered it immediately I think it was on the beach. Um, uh, you know, so it's 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 the longest since then and yeah just on Sibley I mean it was it was a tremendous knock from him as well he took a bit of stick didn't he for the pace of the innings because it was pretty slow you know you've kind of touched on this already but what what did you make of that he faced 312 balls to get to his century which is the slowest in all test cricket for eight years but yeah do you think that was somewhat misplaced criticism or the fact that England won in the end does that just kind of render that all a bit silly
2: massively misplaced i think yeah um that's literally what england have been crying out for isn't it for for years uh, uh you obviously wouldn't want a team of dom sibleys because you, you probably wouldn't win the match but um there's definitely room for at least one so yeah i think that's that's why, well wide of the mark you're kind of inching further and further back on that <laughs> rock <laughs> precariously to, well, the thing is you know the your now. bum gets a bit numb after a while yeah. i'm trying to kind of find a, a comfy position
1: it's tough. We're putting our bodies on the line here to to deliver this podcast. It's uh, it's not all, it's not a day at the beach, is it? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. I mean, I just think like, well, what do we want? You know, we've seen people like Bairstow and Jason Roy come into the test team and just like throw their wickets away by chasing wide balls. I mean, that's like that has been England's problem for ages, and it's just really nice to see someone that can knuckle down. It may not be uh as box office as you know ben stakes in the second innings but it's just exactly what england need at the moment and it's great to see an england opener score or a a new a young england batsman score a second test hundred loads of them have got one your sam robson's your adam lies you know going back a long way now but none of them have got two so yeah definitely an exciting thing he looks the real deal in that sense
2: and as you say he's a he's still fresh on the test scene um yeah you know give him a bit of time to to develop you know what's to say his strike rate won't improve as he gets more kind of comfortable you know in with his place in the side and and you know comfortable in the surroundings so uh yeah give him a bit of break and you know there's plenty of players around him who are still gonna happy to go in and like chase wide balls and not not make any runs so (laughs) it'll be yeah there's there's something for everyone in this team they're
1: delighted to do that (laughs) um yeah, the, the one slightly unfortunate thing is that I felt that you know, it was it was one of the first times that I really kind of noticed the absence of a crowd because he really deserved a standing ovation when he came off and there's just nothing. <laughs> so, well, he had a standing ovation from the, the players' balcony, obviously, but but yeah, uh, a great knock and and great to see him do it from a from an English perspective. Another thing, great to see Stuart Broad back in the side, back amongst the wickets, kind of cleaved the game open with that little burst on the on the fourth afternoon. Proving a point, do you think proving a point to the likes of you who uh, wanted
2: him dropped? I wouldn't say wanted him dropped. I just wouldn't didn't pick him <laughs> for the first test. I, I don't think he's got anything to prove, has he? So I don't think we learn anything new. Um, all we all, all we probably learned, or all, all we got reminded of—that's a word—reminded. <laughs> <laughs> all we got reminded of is that England are blessed with a lot of high-quality pace f- bowlers at the moment. Um, And even though, you know, Anderson hasn't got that long left, um, you know, we probably shouldn't take it for granted because it's not going to last forever. But, uh, yeah, Wood could break down at any moment. You know, Archer could go AWOL. Uh, We'll come on to that. Um, Yeah, so we we, we won't take it for granted. But, yeah, enjoy it it at the moment. And a a good problem to have, as the, the old cliche goes. Well, definitely. I mean, Chris Silverwood,
1: the coach, says they're going to pick their strongest attack with the final test. Obviously, they... Um, you know, they did some rotation. They, well, they've rotated the entire bowling attack, not entirely new uh, seam attack in this game, but there's going to be no thoughts of rotation for the final test for the decider. So they're going to pick what they consider to be their strongest attack. What is that, Tone? What do you think, having, having seen, particularly having seen the first two tests now and seen those six seam bowlers, what do you think England's strongest seam attack is? What would you pick for the final test?
2: Well, I did it's get it right ahead of the first test. So I'll take that. So I've got some credit at the bank for when I get this spectacularly wrong. Uh, I don't no, know. No, no. I'm not saying what do you think they will pick, but what, oh, right. what would you um, do? I mean, it's tough. There's been some chat that it's going to be a faster pitch for the third test, I think, than the second. Um, how that influences things, I don't know. There is a very strong case for all of them, isn't there? Uh, which is why you've posed this very difficult question. Yeah. Um,
1: just gonna keep edging backwards on the rock.
2: <laughs> yeah, if fair, I fall off at the right time, further, further away. Uh, is Anderson gonna be? F- is he fit?
1: Uh, he's fit, I think. Yeah, but I mean, we've talked about this. But is is he in the three now? Because he's only because of those injuries, he's only played four of the last fourteen tests. It's more than a year since he last put in a significant performance for England. Is he a lock in? in that three in the way that he used but do you actually say well yeah he's 30 70, he's going to be 38 in a week or so actually now is the time to move on I kind of originally was saying this as like just you know just to stir things up a bit just to be provocative you're,
2: you're believing your own hype now but
1: yeah actually I'm starting to think well is he and I'm not saying like he'll never he should never play again but for picking the team on Friday is he in it
2: well, that's a good question. I mean, there is talk, as well, isn't there? Well, there is. There's. There's a sense that Stokes will need, or the workload on Stokes, particularly in the bowling department, will need to be lightened, if not, can kind of removed entirely. So, well, yeah, would you want to go and potentially with Anderson, who's yeah, who has been, you know, a bit uncertain of. of I was going to say a bit infirm of of recent years. Stokes, who doesn't want to be, or you know, you you don't want to overwork Wood, who has, Mm -hmm. you know, there is a risk there at at any moment. I guess that, although Touchwood, you know, he has kind of turned a corner on the injury front. Well, I think Um, that's an argument definitely for not playing Wood and Archer together. And and Archer has had injuries Mm -hmm. as well. So, uh, but
1: also both of them are, are just better suited to being that kind of impact. Bowler that you know bowling in shorter bursts, shorter spells, rather than asking them to do the kind of donkey work,
2: and harsh to you know harsh to to leave out woke. So, You know, there's a player you know the, the stats were widely publicised after this has has got to 100 Test wickets in a thousand runs mm-hmm. faster than pretty much all of the great um, or, or in fewer tests than most, or if not all of the great all-rounders. And
1: his record in England is just unbelievable. So you, know, you should probably play him in England. No, I genuinely think I think yeah that what you're saying about fitness. And Stokes' workload is another argument for playing Wokes. And I might well go Wokes-Broad-Archer at this point. Now, again, well, A, Anderson will probably be man of the match now. (laughs) But B, that does not mean that I wouldn't play Anderson for the next game necessarily. It's certainly that I wouldn't, you know, take him on a tour or whatever. But I just think right now, and having seen the performances in the first two games, yeah, that's probably what I'd go with
2: we'll come on to it the Archer situation is a delicate man management situation because you know, do they want to be seen to be sort of punishing him mm. twice um, but then you know, is he going to be in the best kind of shape having sat in a, in a room doing nothing for five days playing Xbox it's really hard yeah well and
1: then you could easily play Wood in that case who as we say has been so good um, recently and is not always fit so if he is fit make the most of it and play him in a way, I just think, well, I, I'm happy with any bowling attack that they put out.
2: Yeah, um, I mean, I think and, there's, uh, an, there's an argument for play the side that's just won. I would definitely like to
1: see one of Wood or Archer, in, because I do just like that, you know, having that pace, having that X factor, um, which is a bit of a cliche. But, I mean, yes, the, playing the side that just won, I mean, that's that may well be good enough to win again. Um, but if, in terms of, like, just picking your absolute strongest side if that's what you want to do which presumably you do then I would definitely like to see one of Wood or Archer um but whatever they go with I'd be reasonably happy with and that's that's quite a good situation quite a healthy situation for England and not the situation as it was a year or so ago
0: when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring
1: Speaking of Archer, you've touched on this a bit, but he was obviously left out at the last minute from that uh, from that second test because he um, breached the protocols and, and went home uh, during you know on the on the way from Southampton to Manchester and kind of revealed this to a, a, you know to a, one of the backroom staff um, who passed it on and and they um, took action and, and left him out. So it's a it's a tricky one. To talk about in a way, but what 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 did you make of the of the whole thing?
2: Well, yeah, it's very unfortunate. I mean, yeah, there's there's so many things at play, aren't there? I, I, I read Archer wrote a column today in the Mail, and there's a, a kind of a, a few bits in that that I, I don't know. There, a few <laughs> of the things he said, I think, were maybe poorly advised, or I, I don't know. Just kind of comes across as a bit cheesed off, which maybe he's got a right to be for for the you know the discussion of him uh, the player in um some circles you know that there that, that seems to be but obviously what he did you know it wasn't you know it wasn't a crime but it was in a, in what is a a very very unique and delicate situation all round in terms of this biosecure series the amount of effort money and um risk as well that, that's gone into putting it on there's no way that the players didn't know exactly what would be required of them because otherwise that's a massive oversight from from the ECB and I'm, I'm sure that wouldn't have been the case so in that sense you kind of can't see how it could have happened like how did he not realize that that would be in mm-hmm. kind of controversial of what is you know whether or not the virus is on the way out or the way in or whatever the situation is you know they, they, they you know to get the, the, the games on this is what had to do and and he didn't do that so you know it was very very stupid the flip side is though that you know we've all speaking personally you know the the covid guidelines the kind of government guidelines you know it'd be mad to suggest or to to be too moral about it because i'm sure most people will have exercised a degree of their own common sense in how they interpret things now that's not to say. Like, I, I didn't go to, like, a, a pub during lockdown or whatever and have a lock-in, but, you know, you, maybe if you spent a few more hours out and you're doing your exercise then you're allocated or whatever, um, you know, f- for him going home, you know, there probably wasn't any risk of, of anything from just popping into his house and stuff. But, you know, there's, there's obviously there's just no room for manoeuvre there. So he was absolutely right that he should be, well, you know, full foul of, uh, of a, you know, the isolation and therefore missing the test. Um, and and, yeah it was just a very stupid thing to do
1: yeah and well and there's talk as well well it was certainly mentioned that he had come into contact with another individual but we don't know whether that's a neighbor that he just happened to pass on the way in or or you know or a friend or whatever we don't know Um, I agree that column today doesn't come across very well because he just seems like annoyed and Vict, he feels kind of like he's been picked Victorized. upon. Yeah, he, victor-
2: it, exactly. And, and, and you know, and also he, also he mentions the fact that he's been on the receiving end of some racist abuse over the time, which obviously is is you know entirely unacceptable, and there's no justification for, and um, quite rightly that should be pursued criminally. But
1: yeah, I mean, the reason that I said it's a hard one to talk about is because in a way, I sort of feel like everyone's right here like some people think as you say that this was a like a really serious crime or a crime's the wrong word but a really serious um transgression and he should face a really serious punishment other people think that yeah that it does kind of play into this ongoing disquiet about Archer and the treatment that he's received from certain sections of the media and the public and that it was a mistake but it's not you know that we should all move on and it's not something to, to dwell on and in a way I think both both sides are right yeah. like everyone's right I mean the problem is like it is it in a way it does feel like a very minor thing and and yeah kind of exercising a degree of common sense or whatever that he's just nipped home for a minute it doesn't feel like that big a deal but the problem is that the the consequences are potentially so grave and as you say there's no way that he didn't know that he wasn't allowed to do that and everyone else abided by the rules. So, uh, but it, I suppose, I suppose what, what it just made me think is like it's worth, it is worth just pausing and thinking about what a strange situation we're in. Like if you'd if you been asleep for a year and you woke up and read the headline, Joffre Archer Dropped for breaching biosecure protocols. You'd be like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah. You'd be very confused. It is It is very weird. It's, And it is hard to know, not necessarily what the right thing to do is, but just like to know what is serious and what isn't. And like the the fact that you pop home to check your boiler or whatever, and then suddenly you're accused of potentially costing your employer tens of millions of pounds and potentially putting people's lives at risk. Like that is the case but it's also it's quite a lot of pressure on people and it's quite yeah it's quite a lot isn't it and that but i mean that's the situation that we're in but it's just it's it's a weird situation and it's you know to some extent i have some sympathy on that basis
2: not quite Uh, you know the flip side to that though is that you want to talk about people exercising their own common sense you know it's it's it was people's civic duty to maybe to abide by the gu- maybe to abide by the guidelines yeah. and I think you know most people would have abided by it 98 percent of the time whatever um, that's the, the the only difference isn't it is that it's literally it was his, it's his job to have abided by these guidelines and he didn't so you, I don't think he can have any complaints about being criticized yeah. or being sanctioned by the ECB no I quite agree yeah Beyond that, though, you know, I don't think it is something to to necessarily dwell on too long. Hopefully it'll be a bit of a wake-up call. Because, you know, the unfortunate thing is it does feed the kind of the myth of Archer as maybe being a bit lackadaisical or Mm. whatever, you know, whatever people have projected onto him. Whether that's the case or not, it's unfortunate. Yeah, Um, it's a difficult one because, you know,
1: would it have been as big a story if another player had done it, if, if Holly Pope had done it? or Dom Sibley or Rory Burns, you know, probably not. But then they're not as famous as him. If Ben Stokes had done it, it probably would have been. So it's a tricky one. But I do definitely come down with you and thinking, well, yeah, he knew the deal. And it is so serious because it's such a serious situation that the world is it. Yeah. And
2: um, I, I don't think it kind of necessarily affects his and it shouldn't affect his short medium long-term as an England player or oh, his no, reputation no, no. you know England players have done some weird wonderful and stupid things haven't they over the years you know very much more dangerous things you know Stokes the Stokes Bristol incident mm. um yeah Andrew Flintoff and the Fred Lowe incident you know people do things that <laughs> that just aren't you know don't kind of make sense to to maybe the normal person in the street yeah I suppose uh, that's and are and, are, and are forgiven so I suppose that's kind of what I'm getting at though in saying that uh,
1: you know I, I've sort of split on it I'm torn on it because because it's really like what he did on the sur- on a surface level is like nowhere near as bad as those things mm. you are talking about certainly the Ben Stokes incident you know in normal circumstances like he literally just went home but yeah. the potential consequences are way more serious than what Stokes did so it's yeah and in that sense it's a little bit of a difficult one
2: but. Uh, and and as uh, a time it, you know if i don't know if england had been on that tour of the caribbean and there'd been like some kind of i don't know wide-ranging shark infestation in the seas of the world and literally the only way the test series or the, the tour had been put on is <laughs> if everyone understood you cannot go in the water or you can't go out on a pedalo and he'd done that you'd be like well that's the one thing we asked you <laughs> not to do and so, <laughs> so it's like <laughs> to do to, the one thing they're asked not to do is leave the bubble and that's, and true, that's what yeah. he did so yeah I don't know like I'm sure we'll all laugh about it in 20 years time yeah and, and yeah. yeah and you know we're, we're here sitting on a rock on the beach chatting about this in a covid free island in a fortunate situation I, I, you know, I, I don't know how many pages long the guidance was or the documentation or whatever that the players even given to read and you know who knows? But as, as you say, no one, no one else made that mistake. So, I, yeah, I just hope that Archer, that the path forward kind of clears up a little bit, because certainly reading the tone of that column, you do get the sense that he feels a bit persecuted at the moment. And I know there was obviously that controversy, all that that kind of the stuff that surrounded his selection for the um the World Cup, and and the you know all that kind of stuff. And we've discussed that at length, and I, I do think there were there were reasonable discussions to be had at that point as to whether it would upset the balance to bring him in and uh, yeah, obviously some people felt that, that that in some quarters those discussions were veering on the kind of on the racist and mm. the, and whatnot so I, I don't know it is just a bit of a shame in the way and i'm, I'm sure there's yeah yeah he's clearly he's he is clearly a great a great personality a great cricketer uh and you'd hate for someone who could be a real um, without being too cliche, but yeah, a role model and a superstar and a and a you know, a, a brilliant part of of England's future to be kind of hammered down and chipped away at so it's still very early days, isn't it? so you just hope that you know I, I i hopefully we're not contributing to that because i think we' <laughs> yeah. i think we've been pre measured um <laughs> we are brilliant, aren't we <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i I think it's right to be you know brisk and um a kind of forthright. What, sanction that was placed on him, and then we all move on and let's yeah, crack on. Yeah, let's let's yeah, let's half move an on. hour later, enough said. Yeah, think, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well,
1: uh, the series poised at one all, and it's set up fantastically well for
2: <laughs> a good time. The,
1: the decider <laughs> on Friday. What an exciting prospect that is, Tane. A, a final Test decider. We haven't really had many of those in the uh, in Test cricket for a while. So um, yeah, couldn't have asked anything more for this first test series back. What's your... I'm going to put you on the spot again here. What's your feeling? What's the feeling in your waters? Which way is the wind blowing?
2: Well, I'm not going to deviate. England to win it and take the series.
1: I've flip-flopped around. I said England 2-1 at the start. I said West Indies 2-1 after one test. So whatever happens, I'll be right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, unless it's 1-1. Unless it's a draw. <laughs> yeah. um, I'll, stick, I'll stick to my modified guns and I'll I'll back right. I'll back West Indies to, to come back and win this one, T one. I mean the momentum's with England but as we know momentum isn't a thing. So uh, yeah, I'll go for West Indies. I do worry that they might you know I worry about their energy levels, particularly the bowlers. I'll go for West Indies to win. Alright, well uh, that's probably gonna be it for the World Cricket show this time. Have you enjoyed this one too? It's, it's been like, an absolute pleasure. It's quite nice doing this on Betty Poor isn't it? What a dream. Dreams do come true <laughs> uh and it's been, as, you know, just as good as I imagined.
2: Where are we going to go next?
1: Well, where do you go from here, really? True. Um, Herm, I think, probably. Herm, um, yeah, is a good shout. Sark. You know, it might be harder to do it in like a at the hour and a half window that I'm u- <laughs> that I'm usually allowed uh, to come and do this. But, well, maybe just back here. Yeah. Maybe just back here again. I've got about 10 minutes before we leave, so I'm going to have to wrap this up quickly so I can get a very quick swim in. Uh, but no, it's been uh, it's been good. I, I, I enjoy doing these on the beach. Tone, we'll be back with another podcast probably from the beach next time. In the meantime, if you enjoy the World Cricket Show, uh, get involved on the internet. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash cricket show. We're on Twitter at cricket show. We're on Instagram at World Cricket Show. Tony's just taking a picture of me at the moment, probably to put on one of those accounts. Get a get a good snap <laughs> a for snap, yeah. a good pick for.
2: It's like a. Cricket podcast come travel
1: guide now. A good pick for social mead. Um, send us an email, worldcricketshow at gmail.com. Hang on, I'll just set up straight. Uh, and if you enjoy the show, then do write a review and leave a rating on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform you use because uh, that does help to bring new people uh, onto the the banter bus. Is that I wanted to rebrand the show, change the name banter bus what do you think of that I, i'm not convinced <laughs> uh well tony's left the rock now i've,
2: I've exited the biosecure rock
1: <laughs> to take these pictures so i'm probably just going to wrap it up i was going to say you know we uh, i'm going to oh, well I'll put my laptop away i was going to say that seeing loads of you on the beach at the moment because you were on the beach because i was on the beach Something. with you on sunday uh for my
2: my son's first birthday I'm standing up, I feel like I'm about to do some karaoke to the beach, Um, I might just belt out angels or something, I'll stand up as well, do a duet maybe, Um,
1: it's it's quite weird podcasting standing up, I feel like like,
2: Russell Brand,
1: I just look like I'm absolutely laying into Ben steak,
2: still Butler out is it? Butler, get him out, Um, yeah it was, uh, I'm going to sit down again, Um, yeah they very nice afternoon on the beach, Good birthday.
1: Yeah, Teddy was very happy. You got him a really nice present, that's, that's what great. I was going to say. Very nice present. You got him a little uh, embroidered gown, embroidered with his, his name, which is very sweet. I suspect that your girlfriend, Emily, may have had something to do with it, <laughs> but you got him a really nice present when he was born as well, a, a cricket jumper embroidered yes. with his initials. So when it comes to embroidered gifts, you're uh, you're running a pretty, pretty tight ship at the well, moment. Well,
2: that's good to hear. Yeah. Keep keeping the... Uh Embroiders, embroiderers embroiderers <laughs> of Guernsey in uh, yeah business in good business
1: uh, no it was really nice really really nice so thank you for that um but yeah that's about it from us I think have we got time for a swim definitely we're very quick all right we'll see you next time everyone enjoy the the test this week and we'll be back after that to talk about it until then bye for now Cheers.
0: I can smell your fear. ba da da da